Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Oh, come on, everybody. If you love the Lord, can you make some noise for him? Oh, man, thank you to my beautiful bride, Adrienne. And uh, I'm, I am, uh, since I'm the lead pastor here, uh, I'm nicer than Scott. So who wants the free T-shirt? I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I, I also was a wrestler. I can't throw to save my life or do anything else athletic, um, which is what all wrestlers say. Anyways, hey, good morning. How we doing? Oh, fantastic. Hey, if you're in Takeover Kids, you can be dismissed. Um, at some point, service, we forgot about that. So anyways, it's a good morning. And I got to tell you real quick before we move on, can I just add that um, I love we're singing Build Your Church, right? Who loves Build Your Church? Who thinks Takeover Worship's version is better? I do. Uh, Elevation, whom? I don't even know. Uh, Maverick, what? Anyways, um, but I got to say, one of the most beautiful things this morning isn't that we're all found in the house of God and worshiping. It's that our kids are found in the house of God worshiping. And I heard small children singing, Build Your Church, Build Your Church. And I was like, I want to die. Like, uh, that's amazing. And uh, so I got to say, I hope you'll go along with us on this journey that our heart is truly to see Jesus take over lives. And that includes the children, that includes the youth who are the future church. Amen. Everything we do now in those rooms and in this auditorium is establishing what the church looks like in the future. Not just take over church, but wherever the Lord leads and guides your children to go in their future. Amen. So I want you to get on board with this. I want you to invite your friends who have kids. This is different. I'm not pitting us against anybody else. I celebrate the local church here in Grand Rapids. I love the Bride of Christ here in Grand Rapids. But for us in our house, this is what we are about. Amen? There is no junior Holy Spirit. He's a one-size-fits-all kind of God, isn't he? So I want you to get on board, invite your friends who got kids, and let's hear them in worship. And then we'll have Takeover Kids worship album come out, and it'll be great. It'd be great. Way better than Kids Bop, okay? Okay, keep it a buck, though. Who at 2 a.m., Channel 17, was like, this Kid Bop's commercial kind of slaps. Like, I remember those moments, all right? I was like, you know what? This ain't too bad. This ain't too bad. I need, I need salvation, but this ain't too bad. All right, well, fantastic. Hey, this morning as well, it is Mother's Day. All the mamas, we love you. Takeover loves the mamas. And I just want to say this, too. As the man of the house, as the father of the house, as the, as the lead pastor of this house, I just want to say this too. I think often we have left, um, we've left mothers in the dust. We haven't valued it, which is wild to me, especially because of all the things that are going on in our country and in our world today. Mothers of all sorts that Adrian just said, all the women, it is my heart and I hope that you hear this today. We honor you in this house. We believe in you in this house. We know that you're called in this house. And I also want to say this. We are pledging to raise up young men who will value not only their mothers, but women. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? We're going to raise up young men who have dreams and values of leading and raising young daughters. Amen? And I'm calling on some single men in this house too. There are some women in our world today who need that Gomer kind of love from Hosea. There are some single mothers who need that Gomer kind of love from Hosea. There are some women in our lives. Men, I'm calling on you. Don't wait for the perfect situation. This is the perfect situation for you to step up and lead. So for some of you guys, that might mean, you know what? The Lord's tug on your heartstring and you're gonna start searching for a Jesus, God-fearing single mother to marry. That's all I got on that. I'm just saying, come on, we can restore honor to homes. We can restore honor to families. We can re restore honor to this country, to this nation, to our people. Amen. Man, y'all make me emotional on a Sunday. It's also hotter than Hades up here. So this leather jacket, I try to do my, my Mother's Day best. Um, if you know my mother, that makes actual sense. Uh, and uh, needless to say, I'm going to be hot and sweaty, and I'm probably going to take this off halfway through, and you're going to hear things jingling. Pay no mind. Thank you for the whistle. The one, the one whistle. It's like, Matt, is just a skinny little way, dude. I'm like, no, no game. None. Um, 
But this morning, we are continuing our series, The Wilderness. Has this blessed anybody so far? Come on, week one, week two, who hates me so far? Don't put your hand up. Anyways, hey, this is the forge, amen? This is the forge, amen? I don't even want to call it the sanctuary anymore. We're going to put up the forge over that door, amen? Because we are about being galvanized. We are about being fortified. We are about the testing. We are about the training. We are about winning, amen? Come on, somebody. Man, I don't want to hear another Christian talk about how winning isn't, isn't humble. No, no, no. We are winning souls for the kingdom of heaven. That is the chief concern of this house. Amen. Come on, somebody. We didn't call it Takeover Church to see Jesus do something else. Amen. We called it Takeover Church because we exist to see Jesus take over everybody's lives. So that's the mission and love of this house. And that's why we are in the wilderness. That's why we are in this series. It's not because we just want to be frolicking out there foraging in our Birkenstocks like a hippie. No, we are going into the wilderness so that we can be trained up by God. So that we can be broken down of what is not of him and be built up in what is of him. Amen. So before I tell you the message title, Miss Kelsey in the back, who's amazing. We love you so much. Would you throw up the wilderness prayer and we are going to pray this morning. Sound good? All right, repeat this after me. God. 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 Come on, make me a voice in this generation. God. 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 Make me a shepherd after your own heart. I want to know you for real. I want to burn with your holy fire. I want to feel what you feel. I want to see how you see and move like you move. I open my heart to you. Release upon me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your son. Set my heart on fire, on fire, on fire. Make my life a life of prayer, 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 prayer. And all God's people shouted. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Oh, man, that's why dry bones began to rattle because people couldn't keep their mouths shut long enough for faith to disappear. Do I got some faith-filled Holy Spirit Christians in the house this morning? Come on. This ain't emotionalism. This isn't manipulation. Nah, we believe in the living God. We believe He's alive and active. He is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask, dream, or imagine. And I preach to anybody this morning. So we will go deep into the wilderness. We will go deep into the forge. We will go into the fire. Whatever it takes to consecrate His Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Eradicate all that's Matt McClure within me. And bring me all that is Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get into it. Tell my message this morning where my note taker's at. Come on. Oh man, every week, the more I berate you, the more you start making notes, and it's just finally, come on, look at that. If you're taking notes this morning, there's also, we got a lot of great uh, free resources out there. There are prayer journals, there are regular notebooks, and you can even steal yourself a placemate pen or whatever it is, and, and just get yourself taking notes. We, we really value that here. Come on, somebody, because God, he might be speaking to you something I'm not even preaching, but if you don't write it down, you're going to forget about it. Like, just come on, let's be in this together, amen? All right, y'all ready for the title? Real simple. Wilderness prayer. Wilderness prayer. Wilderness prayer. And this morning, we're going to be coming out of the New Testament this morning. Not going to lie, I wrote two different messages this week. Because I was with the Lord, and we were just having a good old time. And I, honest to God, had to search the depths of myself and the depths of him to figure out which of the two messages we are going to preach today. So you know what? There might be a little bit of the other one in here. Who knows? Uh, but today, our main scripture we're coming out of is the book of James. Sound good? All right, James 5, 13 through 18. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible if you don't have your Bible. But if you do, turn there. James 5, 13 through 18. Y'all ready for this? Cool, come on. 
Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. And the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Some of us, we got some blockage this morning. The Lord wants to heal us. The Lord wants to move. And there are just some things that we need to begin confessing in the presence of brothers and sisters who are trusted, not to shame you, but to lift you up, not to, not to condemn you, but to bring conviction to your life. And we will see those wells open up in our lives. Come on, somebody. So that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person. I got any righteous people in the house? I got any justified by faith people in the house? Has Jesus saved your souls in the house? Then you're righteous. The prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Produces what? Just making sure you were listening. Elijah was a human as we are human. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then he prayed again. The sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Fantastic. We're going to pray and we're going to bust that open and we're going to get all the oil today. Come on, somebody. Father God, we thank you for this morning. King of kings, Lord of lords, we love you. We love you, Father God. Father, we're not content with just another church service today. We didn't come here for a Mother's Day program. We're not here for some pastel pageant. We're not here today, God, for our best efforts apart from the Holy Spirit. God, we are here for you. Father, we are but men and women who are proclaiming to be followers of Christ, to be Christians. And we say, God, come and make us look more like your son. We say, God, come and make us more like you today, God. Father, we say, break our heart for what breaks yours, Father God. Break our heart for what breaks yours, Father God. Lord, we are not interested. We're not interested in moving forward without you, Father God. God, how could we ever know the way ahead if you don't go before us? So, Father, run ahead of us. Come and rest in this place, Father. Father, as we get ready to open your word and we get ready to go after everything that you have for us today, God, we just ask that you would begin tilling up the, the hardened hearts in this room, God. God, till up the religious spirit in this room. God, any spirit in here that's contra contrary to your Holy Spirit, anything that is preconceived, anything that is contrived, anything that thinks it knows better than you, Father God. Holy Spirit, you are the greatest pastor of all. So right now, come, move. Take the place of whatever idols in our hearts are built up in this moment. We clear the throne in our hearts for you, Holy Spirit. We invite you right now, come rule and reign in this place, Father God. Come rule and reign in our lives. Come rule and reign in our ears. Come rule and reign in our eyes. Come rule and reign in our minds. Father, you know the mental battle I was having coming into today. So Father, just come, Lord. Come, Lord. We don't want to be a double-minded people. We want people with the mind of Christ today, Father God. So come. Set us right. Seat us next to you. And be our God and we will be your people. In Jesus' mighty name of faith, filled church, got loud for the Lord. One more time said. Amen. Amen. Come on. Wilderness prayer. Wilderness prayer. Now, if you're here uh, on time and you heard Scott open service, um, a bunch of our team, a bunch of our team and, some, and a few others, they got to uh, go to something called the Rise Shine Conference. Now, Rise Shine Conference is put on by the Radiant Church Network. And the Radiant Church Network is uh, takeovers, like, hub. That's what we are a part of. They are what the church has called for 2,000 years, our apostolic oversight. That means I am responsible to somebody. That means I am accountable to somebody. You know, we has got a bunch of lone guns up here doing our own thing. You know what I mean? Like we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who are not only keeping Matt and Adrian accountable, but are cheering you and I on. And so I want to let you know, man, we are surrounded. We've got the best people around us. And the cool thing about this conference was it wasn't 
It's not what you think of when you think of church conferences. It's not. This isn't, this isn't about the hype. This isn't about LED screens and fog machines, although those were there, and uh, it was nuts. So uh, if you would pray for our worship pastor, Amy, that she would come under the covering of heaven about fog machines. Um, the Holy Spirit would just begin to move a lot quicker. I'm kidding, Amy. I love you, cheese. Um, her husband, Evan, however, is like, yes, Lord, convict her. Oh. Evan, that's not what the Lord said when he meant pray for your life, your wife. But uh, anyways, we went, and it was incredible. And the theme of this year's conference was truly this. It was, it was building praying churches for revival. And I got to tell you this. You know what's amazing is we're that kind of church. We went this week, and I got to tell you, man, it was so good for my heart, so good for my soul, so good for Adrienne and I, so good for our team to see what we're a part of. But also, you know what was really amazing? was that what we've been doing for the last two years, how the Holy Spirit has led us, we were actually, we might be the rookies in the circle of legends, but the Lord has been doing this in our church already. It was amazing. We had so much affirmed and confirmed of where we are going, re-inspired for ideas and dreams that we've had that we just didn't know how to make happen. But man, it was incredible to be there with 5,000 other church leaders, people who were not there for the play play, People who were there to seek after the Lord and say, God, come and stir up an Acts 2 kind of church in all of us again. We want to be a tent pole in the United States. Come on, somebody. We want to be that tent of David where the Holy Spirit resides. That's the kind of church we want to be. And what was amazing is, man, we, we were like forerunners in this already. As small and mighty as we may be, we are vicious. And we are going after all of the glory. We are going after all of the Bible. And I got to tell you this, church. People tune in that we're around. And they check out what we got going on here. It's not about what Matt and Adrian got going on here. I got to tell you this, too. If you ever have one conversation with me, you'll know this. And you go, man, I really like what, we're, what, you, what you guys are doing here. No, no, it's what we are doing. It's what we're doing. Man, I really love your church. No, no, it's, it's our church. You understand? Like this thing... Don't put me on a pedestal, please. We've watched for the last two years how people were put on pedestals and they fell. Keep me humble. Keep me low. Keep me serving. Quit opening doors. I'm just kidding. Honor is great and I appreciate it. And often I can't figure things out for myself. But needless to say, I just want you to know we have onlookers and people who are checking out what we are doing and they are already seeing that Takeover Church believes the Bible believes God, preaches God, worships God, ties like God. We go after it like God. We go after all of the glory he has made available. And it was so amazing for people to come up that I haven't even met yet. And we're like, we love what the Lord is doing in your house. And friends, that's not owed to Adrian or myself. That's owed to all of us Christians in this room, believing that we are actually Christians, that we are little Christ and going after the glory of God. So give it up for yourselves one time. Thank you for being crazy. And I know I look 12, and thank you for believing in us. The future is awesome, and it's going to be great. I was literally asked, how old are you? And I'm like, jeez, I'm offended. Anyways, prayers in the wilderness. Prayers in the wilderness. Man, I love that we were there, and the whole thing was about being a praying church. And this was already we were going, so don't feel like, you know, I just went there and I stole all of Corey Russell's best one-liners and, and just took the week off. Like, that's not at all what's happening today. Today, we are establishing that we are a church. You already know this. We've had so many messages on it. We literally, literally, we are one of the only churches there that actually have an entire segment in our quote-unquote program, our rundown, completely dedicated to praising and praying to the Lord. Like, that's amazing, friends. It's amazing, friends. People are like, oh, I've never even thought about doing that. And I was like, that's all we've ever done. Like, and, and I love it. It's amazing. And so we're going to go after the prayer today because, man, I just honestly, I began to get convicted about this uh, before 
this conference even happened that we were just like the whole point of it you've probably seen a theme the last two messages where we are going to develop our cry in the wilderness you remember me saying that well our cry is our prayer our cry is our speech our cry is what we are groaning for for heaven to do our cry is truly what is going to be on our lips and the last week we talked about walking on the word in the wilderness and friends man part of prayer is just going after what God says in his word whether it was logos or rhema written or spoken whatever God said to you if it goes unapplied it will go unfulfilled but if you apply it he's faithful to do it amen come on and so prayer is all about taking God up on his word literally Jesus said and when you pray and when you pray and when you pray, and yet we find ourselves in a time period right now. What can I tell you? The praying church died a long time ago. The praying church died a long time ago because we thought secret church was what was needed. By secret church, if you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe you're new to this whole thing called Christianity, or maybe it's the first time in church and ever. Secret church is where we decided to uh, make church look like a nightclub instead of church look like a freaking hospital and people just crying over the Lord. We got away from this thing called the temple and we turned it into the turn up. Now I love all that. I'm good. I like Afro beats and worship. I think it's fun. It's great. Like it's great. I love it. Hit the next generation with it. Do it on a Wednesday night. Let's go. But friends, this thing called Christianity was never meant to be done without prayer. This thing called Christianity was never meant to be done without prayer. And yet today, we live in a time and place where I hear the silliest of phrase. Can I tell you the silliest thing I've heard over the last two years real quick? I've heard this both as a statement and as a question, and I'm going to make fun of both real quick. One is this. One is this, man, I just really feel like my prayer life is suffering. And then the question I hear is, hey, how's your prayer life doing? How's your prayer life doing? Man, my prayer life is really suffering. How's your prayer life doing, friends? As long as we attempt to live for Jesus and attempt to have a prayer life instead of life being our prayer, Am I preaching to anybody already? Do I even need to finish the statement? Friends, as long as we try and have this side piece Jesus over here, instead of living as Jesus, am I preaching to anybody this morning? Come on. You did not, Christ did not go to the cross for you and I to have a prayer life. He went to the cross so that we could have a life called prayer. Come on, somebody. So many of us, we live this thing in 2022 called transactional Christianity. I'm not interested in transactional Christianity. I'm interested in transformational Christianity. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Because here is what happens. We will do this all of the time. When we have a life of prayer, a prayer life on the side, when we got this little side thing going on, all of a sudden we go to a list instead of a person. I don't want to pray to a list. I want to pray to a person. I don't want to pray about a list. I want to pray about a person. I don't want to go after a list of God. I want to go after the person of God. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. I am not interested in transactional because what happens when we are living transactional means God is only God when he's giving us stuff. God is not God when it seems like he's absent. But I'm sorry, he is the God who never leaves you nor forsakes you. He is committed to you. He has nailed his son to a cross for you to prove himself to this. And I love that it's Mother's Day because guess who's been carrying the torch of prayer for the last 50 years? Mamas and women in the church. And you want to know how I know that? Because Roe v. Wade's about to get overturned. And as a man, we ain't been stepping up to lead that charge. By the way, that's a great thing. So if you feel otherwise, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Just so you know. Transactional prayer. Transactional prayer will always leave you dry because you will run dry when you quit running to God. 
You will run dry when you quit running to God. No, 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 no. Friends, you will run dry when you quit running to God because you will start looking to yourself. You will look, start looking to your neighbor. You will start looking to Tinder. You will start looking to somebody else to pay the bills. You will start looking for things that are sinful just to get ahead in life, just to stay afloat in life. Whatever is going on in you, you will begin to take your eyes off the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you will look for somebody else who is not a king, who is not a Lord, who is not the creator of the universe, and you will be going to other slaves to give you what only a king can give you how's your prayer life no, no 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 we don't want to be transactional Christians we want to be transformational Christians because when your life is a prayer everything that you do that's where the real transformation begins this is mature Christianity. We call it the wilderness because we're committed to going to the forge. So we're going to preach hard messages. We're going to preach alive things and a live word to alive people about to bring a city back to life. Amen. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? And we have got to be not transactional with our prayer, but transformation with our prayer. And here's this. Friends, your, worship, your, your relationship with Jesus will dry up and die the second there is any sort of turbulence in your life that goes unanswered. But he's still king. He's still Lord. He's still on his throne. Just because you feel shook right now doesn't mean that he's shaken. But if you exist only to get and not to be with friends, you will run dry. Man, I just feel like my prayer life is really suffering right now. Are you living a life of prayer or do you have a praying I heard earlier this week at conference, I will steal this one. This was fantastic. The dude was like, is Jesus your sugar daddy? And I was like, shoot. Like, that's only something people who, you know, came up in the hood will know. Um, but, yeah, wow, he said that. And this dude is the furthest thing from hood. I mean, he was in, he was in some wild Nikes and a button-up and looked like he was, had no sleep forever. Like, it was nuts. Anyways, which is when you begin to say things like, is Jesus your sugar daddy? It's great. But friends, we often, we often, when we live a life of just transactional prayer with God, it's really funny, but we leave so much oil in the jar. We leave so much new wine on the table. We leave so much at the dinner table that God invites us to when we decide, you know what, God, I'm only going to go to you when I need something instead of going to you when I just want to be with you. Friends, we're not going into the wilderness just to get things from God. We're going into the wilderness to be made like God, to be made like him. Friends, so often when we live a transactional kind of life with God, all of a sudden any sort of hardships that come our way, any sort of difficulties that come our way, we will stand there and we're just going, uh, I thought Jesus was supposed to like, I don't know, make my life better. No, 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 misconception. God did not send Jesus to the cross to make your life better. God sent Jesus to the cross to make your life like your brother. God sent Jesus to the cross to make you like your brother. He didn't go to make your life better. He came to make your life like your brother. Come on, somebody. This is the cause of Christ in the earth. And when we begin to say, you know what? Today, we are going to be a praying people, not just people that pray. When we are going to be a praying people, not just people that happen to sometimes when we run out of gas on the highway need to pray. Come on, somebody. How many of you know if you just began to live a life of communing with the Father, of just going to him and saying, God, how are you doing today? We already know he's good because God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. We know he's good. But what, what mother or father doesn't like to be asked by their kids how they're doing? Like this actually begins to be a relationship. He's not an ATM. He's not our bank. He's not just the guy who has the supplies. No, no, no. He, he, he is God and he wants a relationship with you. We have got to begin to understand this because, friends, you might be wondering to yourself right now, Matt, what does this have to do with wilderness? What does this have to do with, uh, with the revival? What does this have to do with all the things that our heart and our church is just crying out to right about right now? Friends, if revival doesn't first happen within you, it will never happen around you. 
If revival doesn't take place first within you, it will never happen outside of you. And friends, as long as we are living a relationship with God based on transaction, that is spiritual malpractice and spiritual prostitution. I'm just going to leave that one for one second. No, 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 no. This isn't for the play play. This isn't for the faint of heart. And this isn't for the people who just throw up last ditch Hail Mary efforts. Friends, can I tell you this morning that when you begin to live a life of prayer, not just have a side piece prayer life, but you begin to lead a life of prayer, suddenly you don't just walk in last ditch Hail Mary attempts to see God move in your life. Instead, you live from a spiritual discerning kind of point of view. Amen? Friends, what is discernment? Discernment is heaven's evaluation of any given person, place, or thing. Discernment is heaven's evaluation of any person, place, or thing, event, circumstance, whatever it may be. Discernment is when you begin to get heaven's vantage point where you can live above it, see above it, look down on it, and recognize the Lord is already moving in it. How many of you know that if you began to live this life of prayer and not just had a prayer life, you would go from <laughs> last-ditch efforts to first-hand discernment? First-hand discernment will save you from the last-ditch efforts. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? If we just began to say, Jesus, make me like you. Jesus, I want to look at the Father like you look at the Father. I want that John, first book of John, book of Revelation 1, where I am just in the throne room of God, seeing him, seeing what's around him, seeing what he's doing, and seeing what he actually has, and that's where I want to live my life from. I don't want to be throwing up last minute Hail Mary, last ditch efforts. I want firsthand discernment. Teach me to see how you see. Teach me to hear how you hear. Teach me how to feel how you feel. God, I want to be like you. Because the funny thing is, some of us, we're just, because we're guys, probably. There might be some women in here that feel the same way, but guys, we, we really don't see the value in prayer. We see the value in our hands. We see the value of getting things done. We see the value of like, I can do that because we're macho and machismo. That's because we're creating the image of God, the Father. And the Father has always wanted to protect and wanted to take care and wanted to do these things. But as the sons of the King of kings and Lord of lords, we need to submit to him. We can't do it on our own. And those that are entrusted to us, we need to begin to lead them that they can't do it on their own. Friends, you want to know what mature prayer looks like? Mature prayer is when you can look at any given situation you're in and go, God, I know I can do this with you. Because a immature prayer life will look at every given situation going, God, where are you? God, won't you do this? Can't you just take this off my plate? God, can't you just do this for me? No, no, no. A mature life of prayer says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things as long as you are with me. I can go through all of this. Friends, this is mature Christianity today, okay? We can go through it all if God is with us through it all. And guess what? He is. But a transactional life just goes, why can't you just take care of it? Because if God did it all for us and not empowered us to do it all, we would stay immature and stifled. Spiritually stifled. I don't want to be stifled. We're developing the cry in the wild in this series. This is the whole point because once you get out in the wilderness with God, your prayer will either be deepened or it will be stifled. Your cry will either be deepened or it will be stifled. You will find out real quick, am I a person who prays or am I a praying person? Come on, somebody. Because here's the deal. So many of us, we get out in the seas of life. We get out in the testing of God. We get out when the devil's trying to tempt us. We get out and there's just hardships and things coming at us. And we decide, we see this mountain before us. And we just have this inner dialogue with ourselves already. You and I, we are hardwired for prayer. Problem is, who are you praying to? The person looking how to get around the mountain? Yourself? Or the guy who says, you know, we can just cast this bad Jackson into the sea? Am I praying? Am I talking to myself? Am I having this inner monologue of like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to overcome? How is this going to work out? What kind of job do I need to get? How do I need to make this money? How am I going to marry this girl? How am I going to marry this guy? How am I going to keep sexually pure? How am I going to do all these things? God, how am I going to win this fight? How am I going to do all these things? La, 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 la. What am I going to do? 
How do I get around this mountain? But a life of prayer. God's sitting there and he's going, we can cast this into the sea. I got a whole kingdom available to you. I got the supply, I got it all. We can cast this mountain into the sea. That mountain can become coral reef. We can make another trench. We love singing the song, right? It's in the playlist before, and a lot of us, we got to hear it at the elevation thing the other day, but it was like, what, mountains be made low, valleys be raised up? That's still who our God is. This is still what he does. But friends, what he, when he begins to move like this in our lives is when we decide we are not content with side piece Christianity. We are content with being like Jesus. Because Jesus literally says, I do what my father does. I, I say what my, I hear my father saying. I, I go where I see my father going. Well, how, how do we do that, Jesus? How do we see where God is going in my marriage? Where, how do I see where God is going in my healing? How do I hear what God is saying to my children? How do I see what God is doing in my workplace? Prayer. Prayer. Man, we got a word at conference. Literally, I don't even know this guy. He's not even a part of the network, but he was invited in because of a trusted voice. And they were going around and they were speaking words of knowledge. They were fasting all day and night for the Lord to give them specific words for people. And guess what? I didn't get a word. Our entire church staff got a word. And it was that we would advance and take our region, but we would only advance on our knees. And I love it because one, it was confirming of what we've already said and what we've already gone after. But it's inspiring. Man, so often we are just trying to figure this all out with our inner monologues to ourselves. When God's like, can we please just turn this into a dialogue already? I've got the answer. You can keep fidgeting. You can keep going mental. You can keep having emotional breakdowns. You can keep feeling overwhelmed with life. You can keep feeling defeated all you want. Or... I can still part the Red Sea. Or I can still make the sun stand still. Come on. What do you want in your relationship with God? Friends, can I tell you, you will get what you go for with God. You will get what you go for with God. He's made it all available. So turn that inner monologue into an outside dialogue. And you quit speaking to yourself and you start praying to your Father who is both within you and outside of you, who is all around you, who is above you. And what is firmly over your head will be made low and put under your feet. But not because of your best efforts, but because of your deep relationship with your Father. Friends, God doesn't just want you to have thick skin coming out of the wilderness. He wants to have a thick relationship with you. Jesus says, I'm that friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm that friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm not just king. I'm not just savior. I'm not just Lord. But I stick closer than a brother. You could have a twin and it wouldn't be as tight as you and I. And that is a relationship that he is seeking. And friends, how we obtain that kind of relationship is through our prayer. And when we submit ourselves to the testing of God, when we find ourselves in the wilderness, when we are called out by the Holy Spirit to go after what God says to go after, you want to make sure you have that relationship with him. He is always talking, but we are very seldomly ever listening. friends. I don't know what kind of refresher course we all need in this, but the person who hung the stars, who spoke planets into existence, who created you in his image and likeness out of mud, that he also just came up off the top of his dome, 
actually wants to have a relationship with you, actually wants to be a part of your daily lives. Friends, so often we are just throwing up these last ditch Hail Marys instead of living with discernment from heaven going, I know that I can do all of this with God. The marriage may not be perfect, but thank you that you're the restoration king. My dream might look like it's dead, but thank you that you are the resurrecting king. I feel like they're just passing me by, but thank you that you have still called me. And we just sit here and we need to realize that we are this kind of people. We are a revival people, but revival people only come on the backsides of praying people. And what this house looks like and what your house looks like and what everything on the other side of this Sunday looks like is completely determined by whether you and I will be found living on the backside of our convictions that we are on our knees. Live on your knees. My favorite thing about that is God is able to do things fast. He's able to do things slow. Best part about God is he will do things as he sees fit for his children because he knows you, he gets you. But living on our knees, you can't get nowhere very quickly, can you? But you can listen, you can obey, you can do and man, what God is able to do with a submitted life will crack open your Bibles. It's full of them. So what does this have to do with James? I have no idea. Just kidding. Just kidding. You see, James, I love James. James is one of my favorite disciples, one of my favorite apostles, one of my favorite people of history. He is not simply a Bible character. Can we just get away as the church at large from saying Bible characters. No, these are actual human beings. We have proof that they live, that they existed. Like this isn't just some mythological book. This is not the Lord of the Rings. This is not Middle Earth, as great as it may be. James was a real man who was really beheaded by Herod. Like he is a real person. He was also the half brother of Jesus. Same mother, different daddies. Know what I'm saying? There's a lot of y'all going. Yeah, you are right. Wow. It's true. But we got to get away from that. I feel like sometimes the language of the seeker-friendly church has really watered down the faith people of the church. Oh, these are just Bible characters. No, no, no. These are actual, factual human beings. Whether you believe that this all took place the way that it did or not, that's not what we're discussing right now. This is an actual person named James, actual half-brother of Jesus, actually happened, and then was firmly beheaded for his faith. And so I love the book of James. In the book of James, he's writing, and literally the first part of this letter that he writes, he says, after introductions, of course, when you face trials of many kinds, in fact, of all kinds, consider it pure joy. Can you imagine the Sunday morning? Hey, take over church. It's James. Good to see you. Good to see you. Glad to be in the house. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And just so you know, hey, when they try to persecute you, when they try to burn your house down, uh, when they try to steal from you, when they kidnap your spouse, when they kidnap your children, when they attempt to kill you, like when your business burns down, when all this stuff starts coming at you and you feel like all of hell has its just laser beam pistol whipped at your back, consider it pure joy. As well as when you're beheaded later on like I will be. Anyways, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. We would sit here and be like, who is this joker? What is he doing? But friends, this is, this is James speaking these words. And do you want to know why I believe James about these words? When he says you can go through any kind of trial, any sort of difficulty, any sort of anything could happen to you, as crazy or as mild as it may be, you can consider it pure joy. I'm going to say it's because he's the brother of Jesus, but that's not going to be, the reason, it's not going to be for the reason you think I'm saying it. I'm saying he can do this because he is the brother of Jesus. And he's encouraging all of us, but not for the reason that you think I'm saying it. Friends, could you imagine? Anybody got a brother in here? Yeah. What if your brother woke up one day and said, yeah, I'm God? Stevens clan, don't look around. I see you judging already. Man, Kyle was under the bus, like... Cole, 
mom and dad, they, they just, everyone was looking at him like, man. But could you imagine? All of a sudden, your brother, Jesus, people are calling him the Messiah. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just a preacher or a teacher. He's just not the guy whose crazy cousin is John the Baptist. He's not just that guy out there growing a beard and, and, and being lackadaisical out in a field somewhere singing hippy-dippy songs and asking for the, the, you know, the sky daddy to come and do something. He's God. Do you want to know why I believe James? Because James, out of all the disciples, probably had to exert the most amount of faith to believe Jesus is who he says he is. Could you imagine your brother? Well, I mean, he was always kind of bailing to go hang out in the temple with all those old dudes. Oh, I guess God's a rebel. Like, you know, like you would have the hardest time wrapping your head around the fact that the person you grew up with, that you spent life with, that you have known from an infant, that's, the, that's my Lord and Savior. That's the King of Kings. I can trust him. It's not because you were tight with your brother. It's not a familial aspect. It is because you realized he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. I can consider this all pure joy. I consider this all pure joy. Friends, that's what prayer does. Prayer opens you up to the reality and revelation of who Jesus is. Do you know how many nice James must have had to get away and go, nope, I can't believe this. No, not Jesus. I remember that one time. No, no, it would have took some real humility. It would have took some real breaking down, some real building up moments, some real time in the wilderness, some real time submitted to God going, God, give me a greater revelation of this. Father, if my, if my brother Jesus is really who he says he is, who you say he is, all these things that are happening, give me that revelation. That is what prayer does. Transformational prayer, transformational prayer is not transactional alone. It is relationship first and foremost. It is saying, God, I come to you. Reveal to me your plans, your heart, what you have for me. So James, he's writing to a bunch of Jews and these Jewish Christians, they are displaced at the time is a good way to say it. They are 12 different churches in the one letter. They are all 12 different Jewish uh, churches that are displaced at this time period because their government, because their people have ran them out of their cities and their homes and their places. They have gone and literally, they weren't called there by the Lord. They were pushed out into the wilderness by the government and the people around them. They are literally persecuted Christians but they're all Jewish converts. And I love that because obviously James is a Jew. And so everything he's pointing to here is all pointing back to like, remember the Torah, remember the Old Testament, remember what God did for our people and now live in the reality that this same God has now opened the floodgates of heaven for everyone who would call on the name of my brother Jesus. You can consider this pure joy your displacement. You are literally pushed out into the wilderness. Friends, the reason he is pushing prayer so hard to a displaced church is because displacement will always lead to disillusionment. He's saying, you gotta be with your dad. You gotta have a conversation with him. If you can consider this all pure joy, you can be as displaced as you, as you can find yourself, but you will not be disillusioned and disenfranchised with God. Man, could you imagine if preachers were preaching this at large today and we wouldn't be seeing all the, uh, all the deconstructing and all the nonsense that's going on and TikTok wouldn't be full of demons? Like, we would literally be seeing a church on fire who understands that the cure for dis, uh, not just displacement, but disillusionment is reunion. It's reunion. The cure for disillusionment with the Father is reunion with the Father, is communion with the Father, is going to your Father and saying, make me a vessel again. Remind me of my sonship. Remind me of my daughtership. Remind me of who I am. 
When you go through trials of any kind, sometimes trials can be your own thoughts. Trials aren't always things that happen to you. Often trials are things that are happening within you. Doubts, insecurities, worries. All of your friends are deconstructing and throwing away their faith and you're sitting here trying to figure out how you're going to remain. Don't be disillusioned with the Father. Be reunited with the Father through prayer. God, this is more than just a silly thing that we do. If your marriage never had any conversation, that marriage would suck. Right? We are the bride of Christ, are we not? Then in order to be made like our husband, the bridegroom Jesus, we need to start talking to Jesus. And that's what James is saying, with great faith, overcoming so much doubt. You know what? The next person... I'm not going to say it. Anyways, I'm not going to say it. I'm exercising discernment live in front of you. Not going to say it. Not going to say it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You just saved me a lot of headaches. And so then James 5 happens. James 5 happens. And James is talking to a bunch of displaced Jews who are probably feeling pretty disenfranchised with the kingdom of God, pretty disillusioned about their relationship with God. They're trying to figure out, what does this look like for us? When I signed up for this, I didn't realize I was going to be living in the wilderness. So James says, and I love it, that first part of the scripture, he goes, are any of you facing hardships? Well, you should pray. Like to me, that's Christianity 101, but apparently to this displaced Jewish church, they needed like AP advanced placement Christianity. Like they needed some varsity level Christianity encouragement here going, no, no, you need to pray. And I'm sitting here going, I think prayer is pretty elementary, but apparently to people who actually factually walked and talked with Lord Jesus himself, they even needed to be reminded, well, you should pray. Well, you should pray. What are... Are you facing hardships? What are you doing? Are you looking within yourself for answers? You're not going to find them. Are you asking everybody else who's feeling disenfranchised around you? Well, you're not going to find the answers there. Where are you going for your answers? Where are you going for your questions? Where are you going for your doubt? You are actually persecuted people whose lives are literally under attack. You have threats made against you and your family and your children. What are you doing with all of that? Well, I'm internalizing all of it. It's my lived-in reality. But you know what? I think all this white nationalism Christianity is a lie. Well, Jesus was brown, not white. Didn't happen in America. Wasn't even a place at the time. In Israel's God's chosen people, also not white. I mean, Irish Jesus would have been awesome. I would have been right there. Like Jesus casting out demons doing the Irish jig, let's go. But we was too pagan for him to be Lord. <laughs> the Celtics, nah, nah, nah. We're going with the Jews. Going with the Jews. You should pray. You should pray. Want well, to know why? Because Proverbs tells us, King Solomon tells us in Proverbs, he says, life and death are the power of the tongues. And those who love it, will reap of its fruit. Life and death are in the power of the tongues, and those who love it will reap of its fruit. What all that means? That means the most powerful weapon in the world today is not in Washington. That means the most powerful weapon in the world today is not in China. That means the most powerful weapon on this planet is not in Russia, is not in any other conspiracy theory you can find online. It is in your mouth. Life and death are in the power of the tongues, and those who love it will reap of its fruit. Why does he say those who love it will reap of it? Same reason Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. Some of us, we just, we don't love revival enough to keep knocking for it. Keep talking for it. Keep asking for it. Some of us, we don't love our marriages enough to keep knocking for it. Seeking for it. Asking for it. Some of us, we don't love our purity enough to keep asking for it, seeking for it, knocking 
for it. Friends, this is the real breakthrough. We want God to do all the breaking open. He already rinned the heavens. He already split the veil. He's already opened it all up for us. And he is looking for a people who will ask for the door, seek for the door, and knock on the door. And I'm talking the kind of knocking that is a banging. I'm talking the knocking that leaves your knuckles bloody. I'm talking about the kind of knock, I'm talking about the kind of knocking that you don't stop and you don't quit until that door is open to you. God's saying, I've made it available for you. Are you going to knock until it opens? Are you going to remain or are you going to run? It's the same reason he asked Peter, who am I to you? Because everyone else they asked, three other guys they seeked, but who's going to remain at this door until breakthrough comes to their home, until it comes to their city? This is what prayer is all about. We're going to ask and we're going to seek and we're going to knock and that door will be open to us. We'll be open in our time frame. We'll be open when it's easy. We'll be open early in the morning or we'll be open late at night. What does this look like? But we're going to keep knocking until heaven's door opens to us. Come bloody knuckles or not, we will remain a people knocking on our knees. Worship team, you can make your way up here really trying to be conscientious of something called time. <laughs> it's a new thing to me. Uh, we're, we're new. It's a new relationship. It's a new relationship. So then, so then James says this as the worship team gets ready to play something super spiritual and make me sound awesome. James says this. He goes, are any of you happy? What a question to ask a displaced people. Are any of you happy? Are any of you happy? You're in hardship right now. But if any among you are excited about it, you should praise God. How many of you know the Lord rides in on the praises of his people? How many of you know when people are disillusioned in this place, they need some Christians alongside them that understand that God is still good even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of displacement, even in the midst of disenfranchisement. And he is saying to us, you should praise God right now. God rides in on the praises of his people, not the complaints of his people. Jesus goes where he's invited. Jesus goes where he's celebrated. Jesus goes where he's wanted. Jesus goes where a people have prepared. Why have we been saying we will be the voice in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord? Because an invitation for Jesus comes on the backside of preparation by the church. I want my marriage to be restored. Well, have you invited Jesus in? Have you prepared your marriage? Chances are, if you're preparing your marriage for a visitation from Jesus, we wouldn't have need a visit from Jesus. It's like this in every area of our lives. Business, purity, relationships, church life, all of it. God, we have prepared a place for you. We have prepared an altar for you. We have made a place in our homes and in our lives and in our business and in our sexuality in all of our lives for you and you alone to be found king. And whatever you decide, I'll do. Whatever you want me to go, I'll go. However you want me to do it, I'll do it. Displaced or comfort, I will pray and I will praise. I love that. If any of you are actually happy right now, you should praise. And then he says this, which is potentially one of my favorite portions of Scripture, James 5.16. He says, if any of you are sick, if any of you are sick, you should gather. You should go to church. And you should get people to lay hands on you, anoint your head with oil, and pray. These kind of prayers will heal. Somebody say, we'll heal. We'll heal. So basically, the exact opposite of all of the advice you received the last two years. Wonder why? Because he's God. Because he's God. But so often we go, no, no, I looked at porn last night. I can't possibly come to church. I'm full of so much shame and God doesn't want me there. Other people have never been to church and they've heard invites and they're going, I can't go, the place will start on fire. Friend, I'm the pastor. It hasn't done that yet. Some of us, we go, 
and we will believe for audacious things and we will ask our God and say, Father, won't you fulfill your word? Won't you do what you said you've paid for? Won't you come and move in mighty ways? We don't want to be disillusioned. We want to be reunited. prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Baal, and they were trying to raise up an army against God and God's chosen people. Do you remember? Well, that same God that I'm encouraging you to pray for, pray to, be in relationship with. Well, guys, literally, Elijah served the same God. And God led Elijah to pray that the rain would cease for three years so that the land would dry up so there could be no harvest and so that they could drive out the false prophets of Baal and that Ahab and Jezebel, that wicked ruler would be snuffed out of Israel forever. And the reason James brings this up is because he's trying to tell them the same thing I want to tell you How many of you know he can't always get behind Matt's will? He can't always get behind your will. He can't get behind your wants and your needs and your desires, but he can always get behind his wants, his needs, and his desires. And suddenly when we start living this life of prayer and we're going, God, make me like you, transform me into your image and likeness, and we start praying these same prayers, God was able to halt the rain for three years because it was his will that his people would not be underneath that rulership his people would quit being slaughtered that his people would have their promised land so what we're going to do in this moment is we're going to sing a song called Defender which I think is amazing because God is most certainly our defender but what I want to invite you to do is this the worship team is going to sing and rest of us the church are going to pray we're going to pray we're not going to go home and and build a prayer closet although the Lord leads to do that I think that's awesome and you should ask Scott because Scott's making one has barbells in it and everything it's fantastic but we're going to start today that relationship with prayer we're not going to leave this for when we need to be saved from something we're going to invite God into our lives every moment of every day bypassing the inner monologue and having a dialogue where he is saving us continually where he is saving us from thoughts that are overruling us where he
where he is saving us from ill intent that we have for our neighbors and our co-workers, when he is saving us from that root of bitterness trying to take place in us towards our family members, when he is continually renewing and saving our minds and saying, look above the waves, I've got you. Where he's continually leading us to that point of prayer and not of frustration. If he can stop the rain for three years, stop your pain he can heal what's rotten he can restore you to a place you've never even been before it's called redemption this is the God of Elijah this is the God of takeover church this is the God of the Bible this is Jesus this is the Holy Spirit this is who he is friends so I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now would you just open your hands you can have your side you can have them up wherever close your eyes but we're just going to receive right now we're just going to ask the Lord to come and move right now Father God we ask that right now in this moment you would make us a praying people God we don't want to be a striving people we don't want to be a struggling people we don't want to be a disillusioned people amongst being displaced in our own land God we want to be a praying people so father god father we're not praying to make our performance better we're praying to make our relationship deeper god kill the performance based idea of prayer christians pray because because praying is what it's all about relationship with you god it's where faith is built with you, God. It's where our well is dug deeper with you, God. It's where we get what we need from you, God. And what we need more than anything is for you to be in our lives. So, Father God, we invite you in here and now. God, we ask, Lord, that just like Elijah, God, you would rain down again in our lives. Rain down. Rain down. Holy Spirit, come. Come and move. Come and rule. Come and rule and reign, God. We are not here to labor in vain. We're here to labor for your reign, God. So come and move in your people. Take us back to that first love moment with you where we were awestruck by your presence, where we were blown away by your wonder, where we knew we would give everything up in pursuit of you, God. We don't want to no longer just be a pursued people. Want to be a pursuing people. We're going after you today, God. So, Father, lead us to our knees and lead us to our hands open. Lead us to saying, God, you are our Father. You are for us. You are good. You are patient. You are kind. You are long suffering. You are able. You are grace. You are mercy. You are just, God. You are ahead of us, God. You are preparing a way for us, God, as we prepare a way for you, Father. Come, Lord. Jesus. 